Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bachman, a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we explore who the real Jesus is, with his love, with his power, and with his endless pursuit of humanity, with the hope of changing our lives. On today's episode, we're reading John 6, verse 60, through chapter 7, verse 52. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? 
yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowds answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you were all amazed. Yet, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him. But no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go, that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks, and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Before we start the recap for today's episode, we need a short summary of last episode. 
Jesus made some interesting statements about him being the bread of life. In addition to this, he said, whoever believes in me must drink my blood and eat my flesh. Now, although that would sound strange to any generation of humanity, the Jews had more access to these statements than we do to this day. They were well aware of the sacrificial system. Sin required animals to be sacrificed and put to dead and for their blood to be spilled. And depending on the sacrifices, either the priests or those who giving the sacrifice would get to eat a portion or part of the animal or its flesh. Now, no way am I an expert on Levitical law or sacrifices, but I do know enough about that to know that this isn't that far out for them to understand. I mean, it still is in the sense that they didn't realize that Jesus was the Lamb of God. He hadn't been died on the cross yet and risen again, but he is talking about he's going to take away the sins of the world. He's talking about him being a sacrifice. He's telling people about giving life to them. And regardless of all of that, I think the heart is important to realize from the last reading. As people were challenged by Jesus' teaching, they didn't come to him with a heart of humility, curiosity, and understanding. They led with accusations and arrogance. And this similar heart is prevalent to today's reading. People accuse Jesus of being a false teacher because they know where he's from. Well, some say because they know where he's from. Others say it's because he's from the wrong place. And only in verse 42 does a portion of the crowd get it correct that Jesus should be from the town of Bethlehem. But instead of any of these various groups, we've mentioned three, saying, like, well, we're not supposed to know where the Messiah is from, and we know where this man is from. Another group saying, he's from Galilee, and the Messiah is not supposed to be from Galilee. And then a third group saying, he's supposed to be from Bethlehem. Why is any of this important? Because these are examples of the human heart. Instead of coming to Jesus directly, none of these groups do this in this segment. They don't say, Jesus, you seem like you are the Messiah and the Christ. And yet I've heard that you're from Galilee and the scripture says that you're from Bethlehem. Can you help me understand what might I be missing? There's no humility. There's no curiosity. And especially the other two groups saying that he shouldn't they shouldn't know where he's from. They didn't know the scriptures well enough. Micah 5.2 says that the Christ would be from Bethlehem. So why is this important? And how does this apply to us today? Well, there are a million different issues and questions that Christians struggle with on a day-to-day basis, especially through a 2,000-year period. And God is okay with tough questions and wrestling. We should come to him and ask him, to move in our hearts, open our eyes, and lead us to the truth. Instead of getting angry at God and shutting him out because something seems confusing, or assuming we have all the answers, and then just making rash decisions out of that, we should humbly come before him and say, Lord, this is who I think you are. This is how I think I've experienced you. This is who I think you are in the scriptures. And this issue seems to contradict that. Can you help me understand? And related to this, is the next talking point for today, where when Jesus has offended the crowd, he talks to the 12 and say, do you want to leave as well? And Simon responds, Lord, where else shall we go? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I don't know about you, but I've made similar proclamations in my life, where I'm frustrated or disappointed or wrestling with God. 
And even though I'm like mad at him and don't want to talk to him or confused about some theology or, or verse that I'm like, just, I don't understand it or I disagree with it or whatever it is. I line up with Peter and saying, even though I'm frustrated, even though I'm confused, even though I'm offended, where else can I go? You have eternal life. I wonder how much we need that mindset and reality, that difficult but beautiful submission. And here's yet another strange example that Jesus seems to be more offensive to people that think they know and have all the truth instead of the Gentiles, the non-believers of the time. It's humbling. It's confusing. Jesus is offensive. And we don't do anyone any favors when we don't realize that Jesus's words are confusing. They can be incredibly comforting and life-giving, but they can also be challenging. And I think of one of the darker spiritual times in my life where um, I was really wrestling with the existence of God. I'd experienced a lot of um, unique theology that seemed to make God very impersonal. And for whatever reason, I was believing it and wrestling already and feeling incredibly lonely. And it was just a perfect storm. And instead of taking my pain to God and saying, God, like, I thought I knew you. I thought I had a relationship with you. I thought you were loving. I thought, you know, the list could go on and on. I didn't wrestle with him. I just made a rash decision to say, I guess I just had it all wrong. And I cut off communication and entered a dark season of my life. And I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't give up on us when we give up on him. But I share that to encourage my brothers and sisters who may be in a season like that or someday a season like that, or maybe you're out of one, but the idea of wrestling with him and with others, others who will listen, not just give you platitudes, not just say, well, you should believe, you should have faith, but who have been honest enough to say, yeah, I've hated God. I've wrestled with him. He's confused the mess out of me. But he's also been so faithful. Now transitioning to our third point from today. I don't know why I really like this one so much. Maybe it's because we need this line where Jesus says in Chapter 7, verse 17, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. This means so much to me because I've personally, and then through friends and family members, heard so many people claim to be prophets or significant spiritual figures but they do so for their own fame and glory. And that is not a servant of Jesus. Servants of Jesus want Jesus to be seen as great and good and powerful and wonderful and glorious. They don't want a name for themselves. And dare I say, if someone calls himself a prophet, they probably aren't a prophet. Prophets in the Old Testament were people that no one wanted to be. They had miserable lives. Everyone hated them and the message that they had to speak. Because for whatever reason, it seems that way more often than not, God rises up prophets to show a people how hardened their hearts are. People don't tend to change. Ironically, Jonah seems to be one of the few examples where there's heart change. And it's this beautiful mystery where God's almost doing that for Jonah's sake to show him how far his heart has gone astray. 
So these wise words of Jesus, I find them so comforting because now more than ever, we need truth, we need love, and we need men and women of God who serve God and are not using him to build their own kingdoms, their own politics, their own fame. The world is hurting. The church is hurting. We need men and women of God who love and serve Jesus and whose lives reflect him as much as humanly possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, and somewhat related, we're noticing the theme in this today's reading on how the crowds have wildly varying opinions and beliefs and truth claims. Here are just a few in this chapter, and there are many others that we've seen leading up to this point. Some say he's a good man. Others say, no, he deceives the people. Some said, you are demon-possessed. Who is trying to kill you? And then another part of the crowd said, isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Still others say, but we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Others said, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Some said, surely he is a prophet, and others, he is the Messiah. And some, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this? Can you notice the push-pull, the tension, the tug-of-war? The crowds are confused, and many of their questions could have been answered if they knew the scriptures better. Now, to the Jews' credit, scriptures weren't as accessible as they are to us this day. And it's a good reminder to make sure that whatever message we hear, from whoever we hear, that we ourselves are rooted and grounded in love, but also the word of God, that we're reading it for ourselves. It's so easy for people to intentionally or unintentionally twist the words of God. I can't help but wonder, in some ways, has much really changed since Jesus' time? We all want to put him in a box. We don't want to believe that he is God. We want to say he's a prophet, he's a good man, but not necessarily the Christ. I love C.S. Lewis's quote, well, this is a paraphrase of it, that either you take Jesus Christ for his words, he's either a crazy man on poached, I think, with a, on board with a poached egg, or he really was the son of God. You can't put him in a middle ground that he's just a good man or a prophet. He's either God or a lunatic. In closing today, I want to thank you again for listening and encourage you to reach out with comments, questions, thoughts, testimonies, whatever. Um, I'd love to hear from you, and I look forward to diving in the word with you soon again.